0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk about faith this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, in the substance of our faith, being our resurrected Christ, our resurrected King. Jesus is so good. So good. For those that were set free this morning from depression or heaviness, I, can, I just encourage you, this week even, be a worshiper. Be a worshiper in your coming and going. Let the song of the Lord be continually on your lips. You won't allow that, that, that heaviness to come back as you live a life of gratitude, live a life of worship, um, sing your way into greater faith as you look at the Lord. But I want to talk about faith this morning um, what it is, what it isn't. Um, I've been really playing around with this working definition of faith um, before we look at Hebrews 11 and the scriptural description of it. I believe faith is this agreement or trust in in what God has revealed himself to be or how God has revealed himself to be. It's taking God at his word. If God has revealed himself to be in such a way that we trust that, and so then the counter to that is also true. A lack of faith is this distrust of how God has revealed himself to be. A distrust, a, you feel like maybe he's dishonest or he, he cannot be trusted in that regard. And so faith is trusting or surrendering yourself, coming into agreement with how God has revealed himself to be. And we know that the fullness of how God has revealed himself to be is seen in the person of Jesus. And so faith is, for us that have seen Jesus as the God-man who came on our behalf, faith is agreeing in how God has revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus. So many times people think of maybe a lack of faith to be an absence of the revelation of Jesus, but I, I would say scripturally a lack of faith is much more just a disagreement with what Jesus has revealed himself to be as we look around the globe, there's over three billion people who've never heard the name of Jesus. I wouldn't put those people in a category of a lack of faith as much as they, that it's never even been revealed to them. The name of Jesus has never even been presented to them in a clear, tangible way in their language, in their, in their heart language. There's three billion plus people who've never heard the name of Jesus. But rather, the lack of faith camp are those that disagree, they, they distrust the character of God is revealed in the person of Jesus. And Jesus, as I said earlier, as I was talking about healing, he had strong strong words for those that had a clear revelation of his deity, of, his, uh, of him being the God-man, the Savior, and they distrusted it. Think of it, Nazareth, those that actually hosted the birth, I mean, the, 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 the child of Jesus as he grew up in their midst, and they, they ended up kind of holding him at, at arm's length, he had a hard rebuke for them, for his disciples. He, he, I mean, Peter literally walked on water and then he stumbled into the water because he looked at the storm and he says, you have little faith. It's like you could only walk on water for a little while. And he kind of rebukes him in that way. So those who have, this clear, those who have a clear revelation of Jesus as God are, are held at a high standard. And so faith is this agreeing with who God has revealed himself to be. And so come Easter season, resurrection Sunday, this, this weekend, like the bar is set very high because God has revealed himself as triumphant victorious, conquer over both sin and death. And to that we will be held account. And I'm gonna call us to respond this morning with full out, full out surrender, full out declared trust in who God has revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus. So the substance of our faith is a person, Jesus. Faith isn't positive thinking. It's not intense mental energy. Faith is a person. God has revealed himself perfectly through his son to us and then it is our choice, willfully, to either agree or disagree. as I um, talked a little bit about Friday night, the Good Friday service. The Good Friday service was so beautiful, such an amazing night as we worshiped Jesus. But Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, as Hebrews tells us. He is the full expression of God. So it's been given to us. And so I feel like in our day and age, there's an urgency in the air for us to respond because God has been fully revealed to us in the person of Jesus. We don't have to wait anymore. I'm gonna call us this morning to take a leap of faith. Christianity is not a blind leap, but, but sometimes people overemphasize the leap that is required in Christianity. I'm all for apologetics, I'm all for intellectual insight, I'm I'm a nerd, as I'll be out. My degree is in engineering. I I get really nerdy when it comes to apologetics and and understanding those things. But we can't rationally just think ourselves into faith. There's a moment where we have to take a leap. It's an an eyes wide open leap. But there's a moment we have to trust the character of God. We actually have to take him at his word. We actually have to surrender ourselves that he is true to who who he's revealed himself to be. And that definitely comes when it, when it comes to the, the realities of the resurrection, the risen Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17 says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is, is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. So everything in terms of what God has revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus is bankrupt if the resurrection never happens. Everything is Is building on this revelation that that Christ came and he's stronger than both sin and death. He predicted it to be that way and then he demonstrated it through his resurrection life. Some people want to try to remove faith from the equation. They want it to be completely intellectual. I mean, for, for a number of years I worked on the college campus with you know, with, with college students on their faith journey, you know, and, and they would come to these questions of the validity of scripture and, and uh, creation and how we got here, and these are all great questions, things I love to explore, things that I think have fascinating answers, and I, I would say a robust, um, just a substance of answers. But you can talk and talk and talk your way through the answers, And eventually you're still gonna come to this crossroads of taking that step to trust. That this means something for my life, that I can actually trust him to be the answer for the sin that I know deep down in my heart ails me. For the realities of my finality, that my life will come to an end and eventually I will stand before eternity. And am I willing to trust what Christ has to say about that. So I'll give you this picture of taking that leap. I've, ever since I was 14 years old, I've had this fascination with cliff jumping. I know, it sounds wild, but I know. And some people think I'm kind of an unassuming un- thrill seeker because I'm so low key and so chill. But ever since I was 14, I, I've had this, interest and curiosity and cliff jumping so I've, I've jumped in cliffs now on a number of different states and a few different countries um when i was 14 i got to travel to guatemala uh, central america and my our friends took us to this lake high up high up in the mountains surrounded by volcanoes lake atitlan for miss rosa in the back she's from guatemala lake atitlan's beautiful gorgeous here a uh, crystal yes <laughs> crystal blue water and uh they took us to this 35-foot high cliff to jump into the waters It was that first time I had to conquer that fear, not with my eyes closed, with my eyes open. There was this reality with my eyes open that I still feared something. (laughs) I still feared the realities of gravity and what what would lay below the, the surface of the water. But eventually you overcome that and you take the leap, and you're immersed in the thrill of the fall and the thrill of hitting the water safely, and you're immersed in it. That is the Christian life. It is taking a leap into the ocean of God's love. He has revealed himself in his vastness. And it's this kind of paradoxical, counterintuitive. You will find safety in him and leaping in him, but it is dangerous. There is this danger to it. There is this thrill of taking the leap and trusting the Lord with your everything. I want to call us to that this morning. It's been said that faith has legs, like faith is is the soul leaping up to embrace the promises of God. There has to be a sense of, of action or response that's tied to our faith. Otherwise, faith is just mental assent, and faith is not, as I said earlier. There's a substance to our faith that calls us to respond. So God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus, specifically the fact that this one would come, this Messiah would come, the Savior would come, and he would conquer sin, and he would conquer death. And I want us to talk about that this morning. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Faith is the confidence of that which we hope for will actually happen. And the New King James James Version says that faith is a substance of things hoped for or the confidence. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. But that's not to say that there, there isn't a, a tangible reality of things that you can sense when it comes to matters of faith, but faith is like spiritual eyesight. If, if our physical eyes are for the organ to see physically, faith you can think of as spiritual eyesight. To see see things in light of eternity and then to trust that. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from, from anything that can be seen. That is faith. To trust even what you can induce Intellectually, as you look around, you see the handiwork of the Lord. You see design. You see things engineered to the um, molecular level, the you know atomic level. You can your your mind brings you to that place, but you have to trust it. Eventually, you have to either agree or you can continue to rebel against it and resist it. There's this point where you have to come to a crossroads and say, "Okay, I trust in a Creator God." That is, a faith. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So what the writer of Hebrews is going to do is going to take us through these, I would say, lesser examples of faith, Because in these these days, God had not revealed himself in the fullness that we have. God had revealed himself in certain ways, and they were called to respond to the level of revelation that they had. And so here, Abel, he was called to respond in faith. It's not to the level of like Jesus being revealed to him, but it was to the level of understanding that God is a God of love, and what he wants is love offering. He doesn't want dead works, That's what, that was the downfall of Cain's offering. He thought he could cheat the system, give the Lord his leftovers, and God wanted his heart. And so Abel responded in faith to what had been revealed to him about God, that God is a God of love, and what he wants is our love in response to his love being given to us. Verse five, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying he disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So he gave the example of Enoch, of which we don't know a whole lot about. Other than that, Enoch, his life was... Cut short because God just took him right to be with him. There was a sense that Enoch walked with God in a peculiar way, in a unique way. There was a life of faith demonstrated through the fellowship that Enoch had with God. That was a direct response to what God had revealed to Enoch about Himself, and that is faith. And so he says it, verse six. It's impossible for that for us to actually please God, if we don't eventually take that leap, if we don't eventually surrender ourselves to what God has revealed himself, or how God has revealed himself to us, as the perfect God-man as the only answer for our sin and the only one who can conquer death. He says we must believe this, that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If there was ever a thought that God was distant or not real, that was answered by Jesus. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God being distant to to God being near. The creator of the universe coming and living amongst us. And so, when it comes to faith, agreeing with what God has revealed about himself to us, it really does come down to a certain trust in his character. It's impossible to trust someone if you don't trust their character. Am I right? And so we look into the eyes of Jesus, we look at the life of Jesus, and we see the perfect character of God that can be trusted fully. And as we we see that in reality, faith begins to increase in our hearts, in our lives. We begin to see more clearly. And what it calls for in, in us is an earnest seeking after him, a full devotion, wholehearted devotion, earnestly, intently seeking first the kingdom of God, as Jesus said. So, do you trust the character of the Lord? Do you trust his character is revealed in the person of Jesus? I feel like sometimes people feel like God has like this smirk on his face, like he's conniving, like he's tricky, like he can't be quite trusted. I've noticed this smirk in my own kids' eyes. I won't name names of my four children, but they can all pull it out at times. I'm asking them if they're telling me the truth or they're telling me a story, and then this little smirk shows up in the corner of their mouth. This smirk that's revealing that they are being dishonest, that they're not telling the truth, that they're twisting things so that their version can pass. Some people, I believe, think God has that smirk on his face. He's pulling a fast one on you. Like he's twisting his words. He's, he's doing this gymnastics to try to pull a fast one on you. That is not the character of God. We look at Jesus and scripture in Hebrews tells us that he is the radiance of the glory of God, the full expression of God. And what we see is sincerity. What we see is humility. What we see is genuineness. It's the enemy who has that smirk on his face. It's the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy who wants to pull a fast one on you. And it's so good for us to, to draw that line in our mind's eye between the character of God and the character of the enemy. I'm telling you, the character of the enemy is one who has that smirk continually on his face, whispering these lies of deception, whispering these, you're twisting the words of God to, to make you question the character of God. That's the enemy with the smirk on his face. So the Lord is calling us to fully surrender to what he has revealed about himself. So I said earlier, two of the things I believe are most foundational to what God has revealed about himself to us is that he is stronger than sin. I said he will, they predicted that this one would come who would conquer sin. Friday night I talked about the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was the only sacrifice that could take on the punishment of our sin. The wages of sin is death. The consequences of our own willful sin, our own willful rebellion against God, the wages for that are the punishment, the consequences of that is death. And Jesus willfully took that on for us in love. And it was sacrificial love, but it was specific, a specific sacrifice of himself that took on the judgment and the wrath, the wrath of God. Hebrews chapter four says it like this since we've been in Hebrews as a church family for a couple of months. It says, so then, since we have a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let us hold firmly to that faith, continually taking that leap into the character of God that's been revealed in the person of Jesus, that he is sufficient, that he is our high priest. We don't have to continually muster up our own sacrifices because Jesus is the sacrifice. That high priest of ours, verse 15, understands our weaknesses. He faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So He demonstrated that he was worthy to actually take on and pay for sin because he lived a sinless life. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. It's the real raw realities of life, continually living in this confidence, living in this agreement with the character of God as revealed in the person of Jesus. That he is my high priest, that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of, of, of my life and the sins of the world. I can place my trust in that. I can have confidence in that and I will find grace. You know, when grace is not available anymore, it's when we stop trusting in his grace, and we stop trusting in his sufficiency, and we start putting reliance on our own strength, we start putting reliance on our own works, we start trying to impress other people into some sort of self-righteousness, rather than fixing our eyes on the throne of grace. That's what we hold firmly to, the reality that He is stronger than sin, both in his sinless perfection and freedom from the bondage of sin. Grace sets us free. It sets us free from sin. And grace is given by faith. So, Scripture tells us we're saved by grace through faith. Faith is that conduit because faith requires action on our part, faith requires a response on our part. The Lord is not pushing you off the cliff of faith, right? Maybe someone twisted your arm to be here this morning, your spouse or a friend. But the Lord's not twisting your arm to agree with his character revealed to you. Faith is our willful response. Faith is our step to respond with action to what has been revealed to us about the grace of God, the goodness, the generosity, the kindness of the Lord. So I would plead with you this morning in our battle with sin, our focus should not be placed on ourselves, but on the Lord. Many, te- many people, and myself included, I've, I've gotten trapped in that place of the internal battles with sin being so self-focused. And I would say many people in our modern church culture throw around grace in a very self-focused way. But I found that not to be fruitful and I found it to be unbiblical. <laughs> Our faith, the substance of our faith, the thing beckoning me to take the leap of faith is the character of, of the Lord. Not my character, nor my unique story, but the unique story of the Lord and his sufficiency in my life. Are you guys tracking with me? The lack of amens makes me, makes me question, so. Thank thank you. Thank you. God forgives and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is this trend right now, even within the church, of emphasis on our own unique stories that I believe detracts from the uniqueness of Jesus. Forgiveness from Christ in its extravagance doesn't come from the uniqueness of our baggage or our hurt or our crisis or our story. I think that's beautiful and I I believe we should be able to articulate our testimony. I think we should celebrate our testimony. But that's not what then um, mandates, mandates a generous response from the Lord. No, what mandates a generous response from the Lord is what's been revealed about himself through the person of Jesus. And so our faith is established on him. Forgiveness or grace doesn't come to us because, of our, because our story is deserving of grace. It comes to us because we look at Jesus and we see one who's tempted in every way, in every way, in every way. Obviously, we, you put that in the context um, of like our modern way of life. It's not like he struggled or had temptations in the, in the same ways we did with modern technology. But in the hard nuances of Ways of the enemy. The Lord had been tempted in every way, but yet showed to be perfect. He showed to be stronger than sin. Never once gave in to the temptation of sin. He was victorious in every way. And showed himself to them be worthy to actually pay the price for the punishment of that sin. The perfect mediator between God and man. So I believe there are some this morning here with us I need to trust the Lord with that battle with sin. Both as the only sufficient sacrifice and payment, you know, one who took on the payment for our sin, and also the victorious king who shows us the way to victorious Christian living on a daily basis. It's both and. The picture in my mind was was that of, you know, raising young kids. Now most of my kids are too old for this, but, you know, if we're sitting on a poolside or, or a, side of our deck or something and they wanna jump into my arms. Every once in a while, depending on their personalities, there would be a kid that would have the hesitation. They would have the second guess. And even if you're, even if you're like cliff jumping or something, it's bad to hesitate, don't hesitate, okay? If you're gonna jump, you gotta jump. Because if you hesitate, that's when you get hurt, that's when you stumble, that's when you slip. And same with a kid jumping into my arms, if they hesitate, if they question my character, that's when they end up getting hurt. And I feel like when it comes to walking in victory, walking in freedom daily as a Christian, we need to more and more conquer that spirit of hesitation and jump into the arms of the Lord. And that is the upward call in Christ of maturity. It's with greater quickness, with greater almost, um, this becomes the normal response is for us to trust the character of God. Trust that he is gracious, that he alone is the one that paid for my sin and he alone is my righteousness. So we're gonna give a call this morning for us to trust the character of the Lord as the conqueror over our sin. Each one of us has to trust him, to agree with that, to surrender to that reality. Secondly, I said, I think a foundational aspect of who God has revealed himself to be to us in the person of Jesus is this one who would come and conquer death. He said he would be one who would come and conquer sin, but he would also be one who would conquer death. He's stronger than death. This is something all of us face, this looming enemy of the soul, at the end of our story, at the end of our life, it's death. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, you can turn there because I'm, We're going to read it, and it's a little longer. 1 Corinthians 15. I read verse 17 earlier. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, that is, then your faith is useless. You're still guilty of your sins. So Jesus being stronger than death is foundational to our life with Christ. And it has implications for even right here, right now. Verse 18, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. He's talking about those that are, those that have already passed, awaiting the arrival of the Lord. and He, he hadn't returned yet and there was a bunch of debate or question about what happened to those people. Verse 19, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in this world. That is a pity. That's how some people view Christianity. Christianity just being this uh, gathering for people that want to believe in fairy tales. And so everything is predicated, is built upon this reality that either Christ rose from the dead or he did not. Because he predicted it would happen and the entire church is then built on that. That was the, the testimony. I mean, look back back through the book of Acts. The testimony of the early church was the resurrected king. Yes, it was him crucified, the hand of the Jews, but it was him then uh, being shown victorious over death through his resurrection. That was the anthem. That was the, the continual message of the early church because everything was built upon that reality. And so there is a point where we have to uh, you know, we have to ask the question, is our Christianity, is it real, or is it a fairy tale? Do we believe the, that Christ really did rise from the dead? Because everything is built upon that reality. Verse 20, he, he, he makes it clear, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died, so those, who, those saints who had died, they will rise again. This is our hope. Verse 21, so you see, just as death came into the world through a, man, through a man, that's Adam, now the resurrection of the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. There is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest and all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom, of God, the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the enemy that's still looming over us, that I want to invite us to take the leap of faith and trust that God is stronger than even death this thing that that looms on the horizon for all of us, death in our earthly finality, that we are given an invitation to believe in this promise of something beyond this temporary world. So Adam set in, in motion something, millennia ago there in the garden, he set in motion something that has impacted creation for the rest of time, and Jesus came to correct that. He set into motion sin. Specifically, original sin, meaning we are born into sin. We are born sinful. And the the consequence for that sin is death. That's the the wages of that sin is death. Jesus, in the garden, God in the garden, creator God in the garden, told Adam and Eve that. Don't touch the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or you will surely die. So, you know, that's his character constantly. It's mercy. His character is, is constantly beckoning and inviting us to trust him and take him at his word. And obviously, they rebelled against, against his word and trusted the sneaky snake, as my seven-year-old daughter says. <laughs> they trusted the sneaky snake with his smirk on his face and and they gave in and and. Death became theirs and death became ours. That became the enemy now of our soul. That's the consequence of sin. But Jesus went into the grave having paid the price as the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, willfully giving himself there on Golgotha but then he showed that he was stronger than death, stronger than sin and stronger than death, and he rose again. And the invitation then is for us to trust that that will be the case for us as well. That now we can face death courageously, victoriously, knowing that eternity with the Lord is ours. That's our daily life now. Our daily life is rooted in this reality that Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, he can be trusted. He defeated the last enemy to be destroyed. And I'll tell you this. If he defeated death, then he defeated every other enemy of our soul. Death is that, the, the greatest enemy of our soul. That was the, the payment for our sin, the punishment for our sin, and he conquered it. And if he's stronger than death, then he's stronger than any other enemy of our soul. This is the leap that we make. It's the jump of faith into the ocean of the revelation of Jesus. I'm going to invite Scott to come forward to the keys. In uh, 2021. I had a near death experience in the waters in Minnesota in a, in a lake. And it was the, the first time in my life where um, the realities of my faith had to be tested to that level, you know, where, um, where I faced death. You know, there's, a, there's a sense in the first number of decades of your life where you feel invincible, and then you're faced with death and it's sobering. And that happened to me in the waters as I was drowning in a lake in Minnesota. I've told parts of this story before, um, but a a few days prior to my experience in the lake in Minnesota, I had a friend who asked me, in my opinion, what would be the worst way to die? And I had told him drowning would be the way that I'd be most afraid to die. I I just felt like there was something about drowning that felt inescapably tor- tormenting, or tor- torturous. In fact, you're just trapped and you the suffocating seems so painful. And I'd literally said that a couple days prior and then I find myself in a lake in Minnesota, completely normal in every way and I get tangled in these weeds and I eventually run out of energy and I get Tired and I begin to cry out for help from the shoreline and or to the shoreline. And eventually I give up. And I have this moment where I look up to the sky and I entrust my life to the Lord. I say, at that point I was 35 years old. I say 35 years. That was that was the number of years the Lord gave me on this earth. And I sank to the bottom of the lake. But I'll tell you, and I've testified in this way so many times over the last couple of years since this experience. At the bottom of the lake, honest to God, what I experienced was peace. I experienced the peace of the Lord. I felt like I was just embraced by the love of the Lord. Everything that I had feared a couple days prior talking to my friend, I did not experience. And it was not because of my bravery. No, my weakness and my stupidity landed me at the bottom of the lake. It truly was a gift from the Lord of his resurrection, significant power over death itself that rose up within me. It was a revelation to my soul. But I'll tell you, I, I tell you all that because there was this sense in the days, weeks after, afterwards that there, just, there was this increased joy in my heart because I felt like I had been given a test I'm not saying the test was from the Lord, but the Lord obviously allowed it. There was this test that came to my life, and it was like I passed the test. There was this sense that I had this overwhelming moment to, as to whether or not I was going to trust the Lord, agree with the Lord, believe that His character is as He's revealed it to be, that He is stronger than death. There in the loneliness of a lake, no one around me, all by myself at the bottom of the lake, what is revealed? It's agreement with the character of God. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back, in front of you, that truly is a testimony to the Lord of his grace to honestly reach into my life and pluck me out of the, the chaos of it all and redeem my life and open my eyes and then in his grace and his generosity and his goodness call me to himself and everyone eventually has to jump everyone eventually has to take their leap of declared trust surrendering to who God has revealed himself to be so I'll end with one last story of cliff jumping and water and all that okay we'll be done and we'll go eat our ham or whatever we're going to eat there was this cliff that we jumped off of in Washington, Northwest, Washington, the Olympic Peninsula, of the beautiful uh, Northwest United States. The Olympic Mountains, it's just gorgeous. There's this lake up there, over 600 feet deep. It's a lake called Crescent Lake. Gorgeous, again, crystal blue, blue water. And there we were out there because uh, my brother Tony was going to be getting married, and so him and some of, some of our friends came out to visit us out in Seattle and we. We went on an adventure, so there's going to have to be some cliff jumping involved. And so we found this cliff at Crescent Lake. And Crescent Lake was, there was a spot that we found that had, like, this, um, this cliff that varied in height from five feet all the way up to 60 feet. And then just a huge drop into the water, you know, of deep water. It was very, very deep, so it was safe, okay? It was safe. OSHA approved. Um... But what was so cool about it is there, here were seven guys and every one of us kind of had varied levels of comfort, varied levels of uh, risk tolerance. And so, but one of, one of our friends, his name was Tyler, he had never done this before and he wasn't exactly a thrill seeker. So some of us were beginning to work our way up the cliff. You know, some of us would jump 30 feet, 40 feet, like, oh, that was amazing. And here Tyler is still down at the six footer. But you know, we began to encourage him, we just began to cheer him on, shouting, yeah, you got it, got it. And eventually, he took the leap. He took the leap from six feet, and for him, it was a thrill. I think too often, in our walk with the Lord, in our walk in this life, we compare ourselves to other people. And we say, oh, you know, for, for me, this leap is so high, I wish I had a shorter leap. Like, my, they had everything just handed to them. Everything was given to them. You know, it doesn't matter what, cl- what size cliff you've been given, the size of the leap. What, it, what matters is that you take the Lord at his word, that you trust his character, that you surrender your will to what has been revealed to you, and you take the leap. Whether it's six feet or 60, I wouldn't go beyond 60 feet. <laughs> but regardless of the height, that you take the Lord at his word word and you make the jump for all of us the leap was similar regardless of our risk tolerance the leap had that same thrilling sense of eyes wide open not eyes closed it's not a blind leap of faith you can have a sure confidence and all the more for us living in the year 2023 we can have a sure confidence in the character of god because we've been given jesus we're going to, in the weeks to follow, go through the rest of Hebrews 11, and we sit on the, the ground of heroes of the faith who had much less revelation than what we have. And we are given the revelation of Jesus, the full radiance of the expression of God, the full radiance of the character of God. And now it's our call to respond in faith, to take him at his word. If you'd all stand in this place, I'm going to call us to respond to the Lord. Oswald Chambers, in his utmost for his highest, he says this, trust entirely in God. And when he brings you to the venture, see that you take it. He said this, Oswald Chambers said this, that we act like pagans in crisis. Only one out of a crowd is daring enough to bank his faith in the character of God. I wanna be amongst one of those that puts his faith, his full trust, full surrender in the character of God. We don't abandon everything that's been revealed to us just because things get a little dicey, because things become a little difficult. But rather, we decide emphatically. We declare it openly that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Amen? This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.